News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Good morning, Kira. Morning, Shane. Um, lots to get through with you this morning, Minister. But first up, how real is the concern that a measles outbreak could be imminent here in Ireland? It is real. So I asked for a risk assessment by the HSC last month and it concluded that the probability of introduction and transmission is high. Uh, last year, we had very few cases. We, we had four cases and uh, linked to a single family event. So it hasn't really happened here at any scale. But what we have seen is we've seen a big increase in Europe, particularly Romania, France and Austria. And probably more worryingly, we've now seen a, a very big increase in England, 170 cases diagnosed just between December and mid-January. And we know there's a lot of travel, obviously, between Ireland uh, Ireland and England. And so the probability is high. Uh, and as you'll appreciate far better than I will as a, as a doctor, that if you're unvaccinated and you get the measles, it, can, it doesn't always have, obviously, but it can have severe complications. Um, be it brain infection, lung infection, um, and sometimes in very rare cases, death. We unfortunately saw three or four uh, deaths reported from Romania last year due to to measles. Yeah, we had three deaths here in in 2000 from measles as well. Measles would have have a a mortality rate that would be multiples of, of the likes of diseases like COVID and would also be far more contagious than most diseases that exist. Is the MMR in some way a victim of its own success, Minister, that, that people don't get measles very often anymore and have forgotten how, how serious a condition it is? Yeah, yeah it, it probably is. And the chief medical officer was reminding me earlier this week that those born before, I think it was 1978, uh, tend to have a natural immunity because it was, um, it was much more widespread. The, the issue we have now is that we are below the WHO target level. The, the target is 95% uh, vaccination. We, we do pretty well. We're at 89%. The real problem we have is that it's mixed across the country. So in the south of Dublin and the west of Dublin, we're at 94%. In Louth and Meath, we're down to 80%. And the public health doctors are really worried particularly about that. So we've parts of the country where that are doing very well, parts of the country that aren't. And then within those parts of the country that aren't doing so well, there are higher risk groups. So, for example, one in five uh, young men in Ireland, 18, 19 years of age, uh, aren't vaccinated. Okay. Um, and so we have a very simple message at the moment. The HSC has been, has been doing a lot of uh, awareness raising and they've brought forward the junior infants MMR vaccine program to the first term. I, I have a very simple uh, ask, really for mums and dads around the country, if you've got a a child between one and 10 and they haven't had their MMR vaccination, bring them in, bring them. A lot of GPs are participating. It's fully paid for by the state. So it's, so it's free okay. uh, and just get your, get your child vaccinated. And on top of that, then Kira, we're looking at catch up programs in secondary school and in third level institutions as well for older teenagers and, and those in their, their early twenties. Okay. But, but, but the, the risk of measles is re, is real and, and it is a, a severe disease. Is some of this, do you think, a COVID fatigue thing, Minister, that, that people got tired of being told, get the COVID vaccine, get the flu vaccine, and they just see this as just another vaccine on top of that and, and they're slightly disengaged? 
Not on the MMR vaccine, because what we're seeing is that we've been below 90% now for um, for a few years. So, so maybe, may, maybe a certain link to a certain link to COVID, but it was it was dipping already, I think. But I do think th- there is a fatigue. I-, I think the country, as we all know, we had one of the yeah. best uptakes uh, of the COVID vaccine in the world. And as a result, we had one of the lowest um, levels of deaths anywhere in the world. It, it-, it was incredibly effective. I- certainly, I've spoken to healthcare workers who would normally get the flu vaccine and they were just taking a break from taking it. You know, this winter, they set their every intention of going back to it uh, next winter as we need them to do. Okay. But I think, yes, I think there might have been a... But you're not concerned about vac- vaccine scepticism, for example, because we all have seen the the vitriol of, of anti-vax positions online, etc. You're not concerned about that? We have to keep a close eye on it all, all of the time. You, you unfortunately have a bunch of people, a lot of them outside of the country, with very sophisticated false information um, scaring people. Uh, with the the advent of AI and the deployment of AI to social media, I imagine there'll be more and I imagine it'll become more sophisticated. Ireland, though, we do pretty well. You know, uh, cervical check vaccines, um, thanks to Laura, the work of Laura Brennan and others, the COVID vaccine, very good, flu vaccines. As I yeah. say, our MMR rate, is, it, it's 89%. Um, short of the ninety-five, but it's it's still okay. very high. But we're concerned about areas where it where it has dipped. But you know the the response this this is an an easily solvable problem in okay. that we have a highly effective safe we vaccine, do. and we we're do. just we're Absolutely. just uh, we're just saying that to mums and dads out there, kids one to ten. Minister, I've no doubt there are parents in Temple Street Hospital <laughs> concerned this morning. I see in the front of the Irish Times more cases of concerns raised about the the surgeries there. Um, what is happening with all? of that. I'm quite sure people are are worried reading that story. Well, what's happening is what we expected Mr. Nyagam's review to do is is working. So he, he Mr. Nyagam, for just to remind your listeners, he's he's an external independent um orthopedic surgeon, an expert. And we said to him, go as wide and go as deep with this report as you want. He started by reviewing cases that had been specifically identified uh, in terms of a, one individual surgeon. He then did a random sampling of cases as well. And the parents, of course, were notified of that. Um, and then thirdly, there were other cases of concern were flagged by um, by various surgeons and they quite rightly reported okay. them into Mr. Nyagam as well. So whilst I can fully understand people say, being concerned and having, having a concerned reaction. additional cases are, are being looked into now. How many cases in total are being looked at now? Um, I haven't got the figure in front of me, Kira, but I think it's around... Thirty-five. I can. I can. I can that's get okay. you the figure. I, I, later I'm on not trying to ca- capture yeah. it, but 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 that's a significant number of children and a significant number of families. It is, and I think what it really does is it underlines the importance of bringing Mr. Nyagam in. You'll remember that CHI commissioned two reports um, into this originally. Neither the chief clinical officer, Dr. Colm Henry, and myself, we were not satisfied with those reports. We did not believe they went far enough and looked deep enough. Um, and so we commissioned Mr. Nyagam to come in and do a full Bells and Braces report. And so whilst I, I fully understand people's concern, 
what we're seeing, I think, is the strength of this independent review that they really are they really are leaving no stone unturned, which is exactly what we asked them to do. Okay, uh, a couple of other things before I let you go, Minister. Um, hospital staff set to ballast on, on industrial action. These are our craft workers, plumbers, etc., who work in the hospitals. From what we can gather, from what is being reported, they're, they're looking to take industrial action because they're being asked to use their mobile phones within the hospital to, to take instruction on, on job. This seems extraordinary in 2024 that people would be refusing to use a mobile phone to communicate on their jobs unless they're paid extra to do so. Uh, so they want some kind of pen and paper chit or something. Uh, this seems ludicrous for one thing, but it also seems very disheartening in terms of public sector pay talks, but also how the public services run. It seems to be confined to the coom, and I, I read the same report, and I've asked the department for a more detailed report because what you what you find a lot of the time is the full story is more complex uh, than maybe gets covered, and so I, I I want to be careful about coming to any judgments until I have a full report in from the department, giving both sides of the argument. If it is as simple as the report, if it is as simple as people saying. We People just who want to be no paid doubt more use their, money. Mo- their mobile phone in every other aspect of their lives. I, I would imagine so. If it's that simple and we don't know, and, and, and I want a full report before I come to any conclusions, but if it were to be as simple as saying, we just want more money to use our mobile phones as part of our job, that, that would be a very difficult claim to, to mm. understand. We will be speaking to the union a little bit later on this morning here on News Talk Breakfast. And lastly, another story, health is all over, I, I suppose, the news today. Junior doctors to face fewer moves in a bid to improve their working conditions. Are you going to see a situation where junior doctors aren't sent uh, six months here and six months there going forward? Because particularly with the housing crisis, it is extraordinarily difficult and we can't staff our hospitals. That's right. We're we're launching a really important report today. Um, The non-consultant hospital doctors or the junior doctors have had very legitimate grievances for a long period of time. And I've been working closely with them from day one. Um, And they have raised many issues. One of them is rotations around the country with with little notice and little support, uh, getting moved on to emergency tax every time they move, no help in finding accommodation, insufficient facilities in the hospitals, uh, work shifts that are too long, insufficient training supports, the list goes on. And so we set up a task force a year and a half ago, and there is a brilliant doctor, Dr. Anthony Regan in uh, Galway, who led the work. We had, I think, eight NCHDs on the task force, and we're launching it today. And okay. it really is a full look end to end. My ambition is that Ireland is seen as one of the top places anywhere in the world for junior doctors to train. We, we should aspire for nothing less than that. And because quite that frankly, is not right, how, how it's currently seen, maybe to train, but certainly not yeah. to work. No, I agree. I, yeah, I think that's exactly it, Kira. I think the training that they get is seen as some of the best training in the world, but it's an outdated system that doesn't respect work-life balance. It doesn't respect the fact that people can't simply move around the country every three or six months and find somewhere to live. People have families, people have children, people have all manner of responsibilities. So our ambition is uh, high. We have to be one of the best in the world. And what this report does really now is lay, give us a pathway to that. I allocated 5 million euro last year to begin the work. I've allocated another 5 million euro uh, this year. One of the things I'm very keen is that we move away from the non-training roles. So if you are a a non-consultant doctor in this country, we want you to have the opportunity to train up to be a a consultant. So it's an important important piece of work and I want to thank uh, everyone involved. Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, thank you very much for joining us. 
News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.